0: Uh, Hebrews chapter five, and I'm just going to sit down tonight because I'm, I'm going to be teaching tonight. So the Lord told me to teach and not preach, so so I'm teaching tonight. <laughs> Amen. Which I do that most of the time anyway, but but uh, he he told me just to sit down and and I've got some notes I want to hand out to you in just a minute, but um, um, wanted to kind of fill you in on what the Lord spoke to me this week and, and what the direction that He's going to have us go. Um, you know, last week we opened up we opened up with this scripture here in Hebrews chapter 5 and we started talking about this about, um, and just really verse 13 is the word that, I, I'm just that verse, i will not pick up in that verse and we'll go from there. But Paul said this in Hebrews 5.13, he said, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe the uh The amplified says it this way: for everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness of conformity to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action, for he is a mere infant, not able to talk yet so um you know so so when Jim read that when you know Jim read that scripture. That was one of the passages he read one night, I think it was the Friday night, maybe the first night that he was uh, that he opened up. But um but when he read that, man, that just jumped that word unskillful, unskillful in the word of righteousness, that phrase just jumped out at me. And and I, I started praying about it and you know, and and here was the thought that the Holy Spirit gave me. He said he said, if if they he said, if you continue with milk, you know, you are unskillful in the word of righteousness. Well, that means that it's possible to become skillful in the word of righteousness and to go from, from the meat, the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Uh, and then, of course, he goes on, and we did this last week. We talked about this last week. He goes on and he talks a little bit. Uh, verse 14, he says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. The Amplified, in that verse again, says, But solid meat is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental... Uh, Faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and to distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary, either to divine or human law. So, you know, we talked about, and then of course, in chapter six, he goes on and he lists the six uh, the six doctrines that he said that are foundational. You know, he said these are the. He said, "Let us move on from these things and go on to the meaning of the word." So, this week when I was praying. Um, I was just asking the Lord about it, and and you know, and I, really, I had every intention to go ahead and start teaching on righteousness, um, and and to to kind of remind us of righteousness and um, of you know what righteousness is, what it you know uh, the whole the whole concept of righteousness. Because you know, and and I found I found this to be true here. I found it to be true in every church I've ever been a part of, uh, and and many of the pastors that I talked to it's true in their churches as well is that you know sometimes you can have these words um you can have words like righteousness you can even the word salvation you can have these words that are that that are thrown out so much and we automatically assume sometimes as a minister uh and even as a pastor sometimes we automatically assume that that you know if i understand it then surely all y'all understand it and we just skim over it, and we don't really do an a, a in-depth teaching on it from time to time to where we make sure that everybody does have a firm understanding. Because I was going to teach on righteousness, and here, here's what the Holy Spirit told me. I was, as I, I, And I love teaching on righteousness anyway. It's a great subject, and I mean, man, you can go a thousand different directions with it. But, uh, but um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit just, he, he spoke up to me, and He asked this question. He said, he said, "How many people do you think truly understand righteousness?" And uh, and and I'll just and and I should have actually I probably should have started out with this, but uh, but I'm just going to ask like I, let, let me ask you a couple questions and and we're we're teaching so uh, so you guys can help me here we, we'll have a uh, audience participation uh, tonight. But uh, let me ask you this: When you hear the word righteousness, what do you think of it? And I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to fuss at you or tell you you're wrong or anything like that. So don't don't feel like you 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 know that you'll have a wrong answer. But but when you think of the word righteous or righteousness, what comes to your mind? What do you think about? Sure, that's what I said. You can go a thousand directions with that. Yeah. All right. Somebody else? That's good, Bob. I and mean, that's right. That's good. Just when if, if somebody if somebody if one of your coworkers or one of your family members or somebody come up and says and ask you what is righteousness, what what how would you respond to that? Yep. Yep. Doing things God's way or the way that God would have you do it or doing it God's way. You know. Yep. That's right. That's a great answer. And that's true. All right, somebody else? Anybody else? All right, let me ask you this then: When, when, if somebody come up to you and ask you, um, "What is salvation? What does it mean to be saved? How would you respond to that?" And like I said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to fuss at you. I'm not, you know, you're not. I'm not going to say, "Ah, that's wrong." You know, I mean, just, if, if, I mean, it's a legit question because, because listen, if we, if we can't. You know, one of the things, um, you know, we put our kids, we homeschooled Joshua Noah for a while, and then um, we put them in CCA. And, and one thing we understood about CCA was that it was, a, I mean, pretty much a Baptist, a Baptist school. I mean, it, you know, their doctrine is pretty much a Baptist doctrine. And, uh, and so I knew that they didn't have the same beliefs that we did concerning, like, the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, and things like that and the gifts of the Spirit, the, the operation of the Holy Spirit and things like that. Um, and that was a decision we made because because Stacy and I both, as we sat down and because they were old enough, they, they Joshua started in his ninth grade year, and so Noah was like in sixth grade. So um, you know they were old enough to where where we could teach them, and they had a they had an understanding of it. So when so we we uh, made sure that we went out of our way to teach them about about things of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual side of things to where when they heard things. You know that 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 might even that might contradict the way we believe that they would they would have enough wisdom in them to know okay well would well mom and dad says this and they say this so what's where's the balance in that you know and there were many times they would come home and, and they they might have questions well well dad they said this at school today and and you know you told me this, so you know help help me understand that and we would open up the word and we would we would say, well here's what the Bible says here's what we believe, and here's why we believe it and you know, so we went through all of that, and and there was never, there was never, um, through through all of those years, uh, what what the differences in belief between between what they believe and we believe, it never did affect our kids because they would always come home and they would always say, well, you know, well they said this, and I know we believe this, and here's why we believe it, and and actually, really, to be honest with you, it strengthened their belief in why we believe what we the way we do. Uh, but if if we had just if you just if we had just put them in there without that without that background and without the the teaching that we gave them you know they could have a totally different concept of the holy spirit now than what we believe right i mean do you all understand that i mean you, you see where i'm going with that so it's important for us it's important for us to to have a a very good understanding of some of these words that come up like righteousness salvation holiness uh, mercy, grace—you know these. We, we we you know we have to. We if we don't have a grip on those things, it's kind of like Jesus said about the parable of the sower when he, when the disciples came in and were asking him about it. Jesus told them he said he said if you don't understand this parable, then you you won't understand any of them. You know, and it's the same way. If you don't understand righteousness, then man, you're going to struggle as a Christian. If you now listen, if you don't understand salvation. And truly what salvation is then you will always struggle as a christian because you you have the wrong the wrong view of of why god came why jesus came to die on the cross and you know so we have and see because one of the things because here because um I'll, i'll back up and say this again so so the holy spirit started asking me how many how many people do you think really have a true grasp on righteousness and and you know it and I, I shared with him you know I said well I said I know some people do and I said I'm sure a lot more need need a better understanding of it and I told him I said I could even get a better understanding of it I mean I have the principles down I mean you know but but I was like but you know any subject really none of us are master of any subject you know we can always learn so then he asked me about salvation and one of the things that that I've always said about salvation is this um is that you know? I, I was I went to a denominational church. I was raised in, in the Baptist church, and um, and thank God for the Baptists because they, um, you know, they they taught salvation, and they're they're very good at getting people born again. But the one thing that I would say about about my upbringing, and I want, you know I can't speak for everybody that came out of the Baptist church or, or was raised in the Baptist church, but but from my from my understanding and and um, or from my experience, I'll put it that way. Is that they were very good at getting people saved, but they but they didn't do a good job from salvation until the time you went home to be with Jesus. It was like most of the messages you heard were salvation. Most of the messages you heard were about sin and the sin in your life. You need to repent and give your life to Jesus. And and to be honest with you, you know, as a as a teenage boy and, and I mean I got saved probably when I was about ten years old, ten, eleven years old. And and I spent to be honest with you, I spent a lot of time on the altars. At that Baptist church, repenting because because all I heard about was you got sin in your life, you need to repent, you're going to hell if you got sin in your life, and you know and and I never doubted my salvation because I understood that I had asked Jesus to come into my heart and that you know and I understood that, but yet at the same time, all I heard about was how bad you are and how much sin you got in your life. So so I struggled, I and I was in church every week. I mean, I, I hardly ever missed church. You know, my mom had me in church every service, and and. I mean, and I think I've shared this before. I mean, there's probably not been a time in my life where I've missed more than probably two or three services in a row. I mean, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. You know, I mean, I've I've always been in church. There's never been a time when I when I've left the church and didn't and didn't attend church. So, but but one of the things that I struggled with was just just learning or knowing how to live a Christian life. Yeah, I was saved, but now what do I do? You know, you just hold on to Jesus comes and hope he comes quick. You know, that's why so many people pray, come come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, because they had no clue how to live. I mean, anybody else been there? I mean, I mean, you know, and, and maybe that hadn't, maybe that wasn't your experience, but but that was my experience. And it wasn't until it wasn't until you know I met Stacy and 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 got introduced to um, you know to Parkway, the church that she was with, and and the church that they were attending, and you know it wasn't until until I got in that church that I started that I started learning about who I was in Christ and the the authority I had and and really, to be honest with you, I started learning about what salvation really meant because see here, here's, the one, here's what I learned is, here's what I learned as a, a a good denominational brought up you know young man. I learned that salvation saved me from hell and I was on my way to heaven. I mean, that, that, was, that was the way I looked at salvation. Now praise God, if that, if that was all salvation included, that would be enough to shout about from now till eternity ends, right? I mean, because I'm not going to hell and I'm going to heaven, right? But now listen, here's the part, here's the part that really that, that hurt me was that I never heard that salvation also included my healing. And that salvation always in, and, and also included prosperity. And that salvation also included every aspect of, of every part of my life. I received everything I would ever need as salvation, and I had no idea. You know, and and yet yeah, I had a firm I had a firm grasp on the fact that I was saved and I wasn't going to hell and I was on my way to heaven, and I had a relationship with Jesus. And I knew the Holy Spirit lived in me, but that was all I knew. And, you know, so, so, uh, so if you were to ask me about salvation at that time, you know, my answer for, if somebody asked me, what is salvation? I, you know, I would say something like, well, you know, salvation is when you ask Jesus to come into your life and, and He saves you from hell and, and you're on your way to heaven. That would be my answer. But if somebody today asked me about salvation, it would be a totally different answer. Today, my answer for salvation would be, well, you know, yes, salvation is, when, is when, I, when I got the understanding of what Jesus did for me. I accepted it in my life, and yes, it, it saved me from hell, but it did so much more than that. Not only did it save me from hell, and, and I'm on my way to heaven, but, but Jesus, on the cross, he took the stripes he took was for my healing. You know, he was bruised for my iniquities. He was he, the the chastisement of my peace was upon him. You know, my the the prosperity he he became he became poor so that I could become rich. I mean, all these things, all of that is included in salvation. So so you see, I had a very limited view of what salvation was, and here I, I believe I believe that's why I, I, to me as I've been praying about this this week. Um, you know, when, when we read this, he says, for everyone that the Amplified says continues to use milk, is unskillful or inexperienced in the doctrine of righteousness. You know, I just really feel like that. Uh, I just really felt like I heard the Holy Spirit saying that on these, on these Wednesday nights for the next, I don't know how long we'll do this, but for the next few months anyway, that he wanted me to go back and just teach about what some of these things meant. And he told me to go back and begin at the beginning. And for me, what for me, what he, what he, what I picked up from go back to begin at, from the beginning was, you know, what is salvation, and what what does, you know, why do we even need, you know, let, let me ask you this question. Just let me, and and like I said, please understand, I'm not I'm not trying to trick you, I'm not trying to get you to give me a wrong answer or anything. But but if somebody if somebody were to ask you, let's 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 do that again. If somebody were to ask you what salvation was, or why you needed to be saved, um, what would your response be? I mean, somebody want to tackle that one. I mean, why you know why why do I need to go to church and why do I need to give my life to Jesus? What how would you respond to that? Anybody want to tackle that one? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yep. He marked you. I like that. That's good language, I like that. That's good. Somebody else? Paul? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, Stephen, can you come help me, brother? I appreciate it. So, I have taken uh, the Lord instructed me to do this, and I'm going to make it easy on you. Uh, you can pick out any color binder you want, and uh, just one binder per person, of course. And in these weeks, I'm going to be handing out notes, and we're gonna we're gonna start looking at in depth some of the um some of the subjects that we might that we might just take for granted and we're going to tackle first we're going to tackle salvation and you might think you might think well well you know what don't we need to tackle something bigger than salvation or something you know uh deeper than salvation or something like that but but here's you know <clears throat> I'll say this again if we don't have a grasp if we don't have a true grasp on salvation then, then we will we will struggle to understand the rest of the rest of Christianity. You know, so so uh, so we'll probably be we'll probably look at this this week and next week. I know, and and it might even take us three weeks to get through this. But but so the 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 first thing we're going to tackle is salvation and what it means to be born again. And here's the incredible thing about this. And if you need a pen, there's some back. I think there's some back there. If anybody needs a pen. Um, you can raise your hand because I got some fill in the blanks. I'll make y'all do a little bit of work. I did most of it for you. I, I sat down this afternoon and typed this up, and and um, and I'll try and do this every week to where, because here you know here's here's the thing, um, you know one of the one of the the callings I've been praying about I've been praying about um, I'm praying about 2020 and and just about the vision and and what God is you know speaking for, to us in 2020 and I, I do that every year you know the first of the year and. And the Lord is really talking to me about, about the vision of destiny. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and one of, the, one of the parts of the vision that God gave me was, um, was, you know, to teach people or to help people find their destiny and then walk in it. And, 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 it's, and it's really no different than, than the Great Commission when Jesus left, when he, one of the things He told His disciples uh, he didn't. He didn't tell his disciples to go and and make church members. He didn't tell them to go and and make you know uh, develop people just so they would attend church. But he told them to go make disciples. You know. So so what that means is this that that you know. So for me, if 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 the Lord, you know, if the Lord told me, okay, make disciples of these people, then I would want to put everything that I could in you so you could turn around. And put it in somebody else, and you know. So, so what my what my heart is in this, and and I hope you like this, uh, you know, because because the Lord he did ask me as I was doing this, I asked the Lord. I said, well, you know, Father, this kind of seems, uh, you know, so basic and and different things, but but he asked me. He said, what do you? He said, what do you call Wednesday nights? And I said, well, we call it Bible study. He said, well, then study the Bible. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, Lord, I get that, you know. So, so, so these are going to be a little bit more teachy, a little bit, and I do I teach more on Wednesday nights, you know, because we go through some of these things. But, but so I hope you enjoy that. I hope you like that, and I hope this will be a, a blessing to you, uh, because I want to, I want to get it. You know, I want to be able to have everybody in here that comes to these meetings, comes to these Wednesday night services. Well, they, I, I want it for everybody in the church, but I want you guys to be able to. If somebody if somebody were to ask you, what does it mean to be saved? Why do I need you know, why do I need Jesus? You know, it's great just to say, well, you need it, you know, so you don't go to hell. Well, that's a great answer. But there's so much more to it than that. You know, and you're, and, and the Christian life is meant to be so much greater than just our get out of hell free card. You know, and so, so we're going to be looking at salvation. I know we're going to be looking like at salvation and righteousness. Um, we'll probably touch on the Holy Spirit just because we... Because that kind of goes along this, but we've we've been doing some teaching on the Holy Spirit on Sundays, so I won't spend a lot of time on that. But um, because we we're doing that on Sundays, some anyway. But uh, but especially but especially some of these major things that major words that we throw out that that we talk about all the time. I want you guys really to get a, to have an understanding. And some of you may already have an understanding of this, and that's great. Uh, and and so you can take this and you can use it and you can. Uh, pass it on to somebody else, maybe, or something, what, however the Lord tells you to do that. But every week, um, you know, the Lord kind of instructed me this week to, actually just this afternoon, to to, to top up some notes and to hand you, and, uh, and that's the reason I gave you the binder, so you can bring it back and, and keep, you know, keep them in your, uh, in your folder and have that there with you. So let's talk about uh, salvation and what it means. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 3. John Chapter Three. Now you know salvation is one of those things. Um, it was always been in god 's heart. God knew from the foundations of the earth that that would have to happen and and the old you know the prophets of old talk like for example in Ezekiel um, in ezekiel and, and this I, I, I talk about this a lot you know these guys, Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and uh, Elijah and elisha these guys prophesied about salvation, but they had no clue what it meant. I mean, you know, as far as a practical thing, because just listen to this. Listen to what Ezekiel said here. Now, Ezekiel was prophesied and he said this. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh And give you a heart of flesh. Now, for for somebody hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up and before before he had any understanding of that, that probably made no sense to him whatsoever. He probably said that clean you with water and and you know and put a take the heart of heart of stone and put a new spirit in you and put a heart of flesh. You know, what in the world are you talking about, God? You know. But but he was prophesying about salvation. And now, looking back on it, we see that and we're like, well, yeah, that's exactly what salvation is. I mean, that's exactly what, you know, that was a perfect picture of salvation. And here in John chapter 3, we kind of have the same picture. Now, this, you know, you know the story here, where uh, this Nicodemus, a a religious leader of the day, comes to Jesus. Uh, He came to him at night because he was, you know, he he was afraid to get in trouble, really, to be honest with you. But let's just read this here in uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And says this, "...there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except, for, except that God be with you." And uh, the, the Amplified adds this, the Amplified says this, for, "...for we know that you have come from God as a teacher... For no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. I like that. The wonder works, you know. I mean, it must have been incredible to watch Jesus, to see Jesus do everything he did, you know. So so Nicodemus told him, he said, Now we know you come from God and we know that you're a teacher and you come from God because nobody can do the things that you do except God be with you. So Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So except a man be born again, he said he he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him. Now, you have you know here Nicodemus, Nicodemus is looking at it strictly from a uh, he has no spiritual insight at this point. He's looking at it strictly from a from a natural point of view. So Jesus said, unless a man be born again, He he won't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, born again? He's like, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter back into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know, so he's looking at it from the natural standpoint. And Jesus answered and said, excuse me, let me get a drink of water. Excuse me, I'm sorry. So Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, this is verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. So Jesus was trying to get, Jesus was trying to get him to see from a, from a different viewpoint. He was trying to get him to say, I think Emily or someone said that, that righteousness is to see things the way God, you know, to, to see the way God sees. God, Jesus was telling him, Nicodemus, there's a higher level that, that, you're, that you're on. And now he gave some, or, or there's a higher level that you need to come up to, excuse me. And, you know, and Jesus said, he said, so, uh, and, and, you know, you have to understand, we, we've heard these things and we understand these things, so we don't think it's that odd. But this was brand new to Nicodemus. I mean when Jesus when Jesus started talking about being born again and and being born of the flesh and being born of the spirit, you know, I mean, all of this was brand new to these people. So so, you know, Nicodemus is man, he was probably you know, his mind was probably going, Whoa, what are you talking about? you know. And so but he, he said some very interesting things here, and in your notes there, those four things there, we'll we'll look at this. In John in John three, one through seven, uh he told Nicodemus, who was a sincere, sincere religious leader, that the first thing, he said, you must be born again. That's the first two fill in the blanks. You must be born again. And then he told him this. Now, he, he didn't tell him in these, in these words, but, but this is what he was saying. He told Nicodemus, you need a new nature. You know, that's where he's talking about that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said, "You know, you need to come over from the flesh nature over to the spirit nature." You know, so he said, "You need a new a new nature." And he told him, "says You must experience a spiritual rebirth." So, a spiritual rebirth. And he told him, he said, "No man can can get to heaven without being born again." That, that same the same words as the first one. So he told him, he must be born again. He needed a new nature. And it would be a spiritual rebirth and no man can get to heaven, uh, no man can see heaven or get to heaven without being born again. Now the question is, and I'm sure Nicodemus probably asked this question, is why? Why do I have to be born again? Why do I, why do I need a new nature? Why, do, why does my spirit have to be reborn? Well, we have, to, we have to back up all the way to Genesis, right? When God created Adam and Eve, and and you know, man, we can spend a whole lot. We can spend a whole lot of time in Genesis, but for the sake of for the sake of this, we're not going to spend a lot of time there. But but we do need to get some understanding from Genesis, because if, if here again, if you don't understand what happened in Genesis, then you won't understand why John or why Jesus told Nicodemus this in John. So if you go all the way back to to Genesis, God told them when God created, He created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden. And when he was introducing the garden to them, he 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 told them in Genesis, I think I put it down there, Genesis two seventeen. And Genesis two seventeen says this But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So he told him here, God told Adam, that the day that they ate the fruit of the of the tree of I didn't put that in the notes there, but the day they ate ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would surely die. Now, let me ask you this question: When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, now we always picture it as an apple. We don't know what the fruit was, but but when they when they took that fruit off of the tree of the, and, you, and you know the story how they were in there and and the serpent comes to Eve and and tempts her and tells her, well, God just you know God's withholding from you. Basically, paraphrasing this, he he basically said God's withholding from you. He knows that when you eat this one this one fruit it's going to make you just like him and you know and he just don't want you to be like him he's he's withholding from you so what she didn't realize was she was already like him you know she was as much as like him as she could get but she she believed the lie that the enemy told her so so she took the fruit and she ate the fruit and when she did that of course then we know that Adam took the fruit and ate it and, and let me ask you the question now, G, now God had told them and, and very clearly when, as soon as you eat this you will surely die now let me ask you a question did they die the moment that they ate that fruit? well there was a, there, that, there was a death that occurred the moment they ate the fruit so that tells us there's more than one death the Bible talks about three different types of death ok ok can anybody, name, can anybody name the three types of death? You got the, the one that we all know, physical death, right? Spiritual death. And then the Bible talks about the second death or eternal, eternal death. Okay? So let's talk about those three for just a moment. Physical death, the first one, physical death, is when your spirit and your soul leave your body. We, we understand the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we understand that at, at physical death, the moment that our heart stops beating and our lungs stop breathing, and and you know the moment that this body dies, this physical body, there is a death that occurs. But here's here's what we have to understand: that death, well, it, it does affect our spirit. I sort of say it, it doesn't really affect our spirit, man. But the, the how it affects our spirit, man, is this: it transitions us from living life on the earth to our spiritual life and and how you uh, the decisions you made on earth will determine your destination at physical death you will go one, one to two places you will either go to heaven or you will go to hell that's the two locations there isn't a purgatory there isn't a you don't go out into outer space somewhere until somebody prays you in or something like that I mean You know, if, if you are born again, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you will be in heaven. If you are not born again, if you, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you don't have a relationship, then you will, you will, the moment you physically die, you will be in hell. Separated from God. Now, we, we talked about this, and then of course, the second type is the spiritual death, which is what happened at, in the Garden of Eden. That's what happened when adam when God told Adam, "You will surely die when he first when he the moment they ate that fruit, spiritual death happened and really, to be honest with you, that's the moment that physical death started their bodies started dying from that moment, and it took them it took them nine hundred or seven hundred and some years to figure out their body to figure out how to die you know and um uh, so so physical death happens at physical death is when your when your spirit and soul leave your body, and you go to your eternal destination. Spiritual death happened happened at the Garden of Eden. But now here's here's what happens when Jesus said in John chapter three that that you must be born again. See, because every man when when man is born, because because of the because of what happened to Adam, because of what Adam did, I should say, the decision Adam made. When man is born, their spirit, their spirit man is born dead. They're not alive spiritually. And, and, you know, that's the reason Jesus said that they had to be born again. See, because actually, really, what happened there was that uh, Adam, we could say it this way, and, and hear me out when I say this, we could say it this way, that Adam got born again in the Garden of Eden. He just went from life to death. He was you know when he ate that fruit his life left and now now his spirit man was dead. And we know that because because immediately they recognized that they were naked and they tried to cover we'll see this next week we'll talk about this next week. They tried to they tried to do works, they they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves and they hid from God. Why? Because all of a sudden everything changed. They realized that the glory had lifted and and that you know they were they were now in a state that they had never been. They they're spiritually speaking they were dead. And that's the reason from from that moment all the way up until when Jesus told Nicodemus that spiritual death reigned. And we'll see that uh, we'll see that in Romans chapter five. We'll look at it in just a moment. But let's talk about these three deaths first. So you have physical death and you have spiritual death, which which the you know when 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 everybody from adam from adam and eve when they had their first kids when when uh you know Cain and Abel were born they were born their spirit man their spirit man was not alive they were born spiritually dead and you know so so their spirit man was dead they were alive physically but their spirit man was dead now in the old covenant you know god god set up a system to where they could offer sacrifices and that was later on you know all the way up for a space of time there they didn't even have you know they didn't have the sacrifices until until they were introduced there you know with with uh, with Moses they didn't even have the 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 sacrifices and everything like that. You know they, they just they had a they had an understanding. I believe that that Adam Adam and Eve based on their relationship with God they taught them, you know, because listen, somebody had to teach Cain and Abel to bring sacrifices to God. And who was it that taught them? Well, it was Adam and Eve. And, you know, and they knew that they needed to bring sacrifices. And they, they knew that. And they knew they needed to bring, you know, things to God to offer them to Him. And so so all the way up until Jesus said this, and really all the way up until until Jesus died on the cross and rose again, every person that had ever been born, they were spiritually dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead and when, when, he, when he came back, uh, when He showed back up to His disciples and at that one moment where it says, that, that one time it says Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, I believe that was when they got born again. I believe that was when their spirit men came alive. And you could tell that, you could tell immediately that their spirit men came alive because everything changed for them. And of course then Jesus told them to go and wait until the Spirit, until the spirit of God be poured out on them And and that's when they went into the service of of the ministry, you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But but their spirit man became alive the moment that Jesus was resurrected and he came back and he he had he provided a way for them to to believe in God again and to have you know to have salvation. And we'll we'll go a little bit deeper in that in just a moment. So so spiritual death is is when spiritual death is is uh, basically when you're separated from God. Every everybody that is born, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Everybody that is born is spiritually dead. Until you know, until they get born again, their spirit is separated from God. That's the reason people can live like heathens and live like sinners and not have not have any conscience about them at all. Because their spirit's dead. Right? I mean, they they don't they don't they're not connected with God. So so that is spiritual death, being separated from God. But then, but but as long as you are physically alive, there's a chance to be born again. You know, and that was that was God's whole purpose in that. The third type of death, which there's two words there. The first is eternal, and then in the parentheses you can put second death. We have talked about this just not too long ago. We talked about when we looked at the end times, is that at the very end of time. After, after the millennial reign, after, after the rapture of the millennial, after all of that, there, there will be a final resurrection. And, and what that is, they, and what the Bible calls that, is the resurrection of the dead. That is all of the, all of the people that have died without receiving Jesus as their, as their uh, Savior. They will stand before the great white throne, and at that time, that is when the second death or the eternal Eternal death happens, and what that is, is that's the moment that they're cast into the lake of fire, and they will forever be separated from God. And for you and I, as Christians, we will never, we will never encounter the second death. Our spirits will never die again. If you are born again, when your spirit became born again, your spirit man will never die. Your spirit will live Forever. That's the reason we say that the spiritual world is more real than the natural world. Because this natural body, if Jesus, if Jesus tarries his coming and he doesn't come for another 50 or 60 or 70 years, the majority of us, we're going to lay this body down one day. And our physical man will die. But if you're born again, your spirit man doesn't die. He just transitions from this body to your heavenly body. Amen. You know, so so as a Christian, when you get born again, your spirit man will never die. The second death, the eternal death, or second death is the is the 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 second death that every unbeliever will experience, and that's when they're cast into the lake of fire, and the Bible says they will for, for eternity be separated from God. And so so that is the that's the eternal or second death, and so so that is that is the the. Uh, the destiny or the destination of every person that has ever rejected Jesus and not accepted them as their savior that's the reason it's so important for us to share the good news to share the gospel to get as many people to to encounter as many people just like miss betty did this this lady and 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 to share the gospel with them and get them born again you know so that they will not have to encounter that second death at some point in their in their future amen. So let's turn to Romans chapter 5 and let me show you this. Let's look at what the scripture says. Remember we're we're studying what the scripture has to say about these things. Romans chapter 5. And this this will back up everything that I just got through saying. Romans chapter 5. And we'll just start in verse number 12. He says this, um Romans five twelve says, "Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that one man was by Adam, and death by sin and so that's what we said when adam when Adam um uh, took that fruit and disobeyed God and and sided with the with the with the devil, death entered in that that was spiritual death that that was i mean yeah, that was spiritual death, physical death actually also entered in but but that was you know he's talking about uh spiritual death here. Because it says, "And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned." So from that moment forth, from the time Adam and Eve took made that choice to disobey God, spiritual death was spread to everybody that would ever enter into the earth because of Adam's one mistake. Now you might say, you might think, "Well, man, that's that's pretty harsh because of one mistake. Sin passed upon, or death passed upon every person." But the good news about that is that because of that, because just like Adam, when he sinned, death passed upon all people. When Jesus, we'll, we'll see this probably next week, when Jesus obeyed, then life passed. Life was made available to all men. And that's the glorious thing about salvation. But notice what it says. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned now listen to what he says in verse 13 for until the law sin was in the world but sin was not imputed where there is no law in other words if you you know and we, we would still say that today like if you were if uh, well that's not necessarily a great example because they, everybody you know everybody kind of knows like if if i'll just put it this way if there was no speed limit signs, like if, if somebody took down all the speed limit signs in the whole in the whole you know Lancaster County, and and there wasn't a, there wasn't any signs whatsoever that, to say what the speed was, then it would be hard for them to say well you know because because the law says at at the speed limit sign right there where the sign says speed limit thirty five you know it was forty five and then right there at the sign it says thirty five when you pass that sign if you're going over 35 you broke the law but guess what if that sign's not there then when you pass that point you're not breaking the law because that sign is not there you know and actually i've seen people get out of tickets because because you know they because they'll say the sign was obstructed or the sign got knocked down and and they didn't see the sign and if if they can prove that that sign wasn't there well then they can't charge you with that speeding ticket at that point because the sign wasn't there. And that's what he's saying here. I mean, that's a very rough interpretation of that, but you understand. That's what he's saying. He said, For where there was no law, you know, sin was not imputed. But look at verse 14. He says, Nevertheless, death still reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him. That was to come. So, so what he's saying here is that Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, then all the way down, you start talking about, you know, you start talking about all, the lineage all the way down, and you start covering into, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of those people. Not all of those, all of those people we read about, there was, there was no law at that time, but death still reigned. Spiritual death still reigned. In that time. Why? Because because Adam had introduced spiritual death into the world and it is still the the next person that has a baby, whoever that I mean, probably somewhere in the world right now, somebody just had a baby, that baby was born. Well, guess what? Death still reigns in that baby. Spiritually speaking, that baby is still born spiritually dead. And it started all the way back to Adam. So by one man, sin death entered in. Sin and death entered into the world. Then in verse 15 he goes on to say this. And this is and we'll get to this point but I but I just I, I can't I can't leave that hanging there. He says but not as the offense so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of God and the gift of grace which is by one man Jesus Christ has abounded unto many. So he said just like Adam just like Adam introduced sin into the world and death he said, he said just the way Adam did that, by one choice, when, when death entered into the world, when Jesus came, he introduced life, the spiritual, the opportunity to be reborn, to be born again. That's why he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. So let's, let's look at just a couple things here. Uh, it says that sin entered into the human race because of Adam's disobedience and spiritual death infected and spread to all mankind. Adam's sin brought judgment upon the entire human race. And it's still, it's still true today. I mean, the, the human race is still, uh, is still under spiritual death. Every person that's born, man, you know... Uh, so Adam's sin brought judgment unto the entire human race. Man was under the, sin, under the sentence of death. Man was condemned, guilty, and under the wrath of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at that just real quick. About to finish up here, First Corinthians fifteen, and I'm kind of we're, we're going to kind of I have to unhook you. In a... I wish we could go ahead and, and and take you over into the the good side of things, but but we'll have to wait till next week to get you saved. We we got you lost right now, so well, you have to get saved next week. So don't don't miss next week. No, I'm just I'm just playing with you. In First Corinthians fifteen, verse twenty one, it says this: For since by man came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For, it, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Hallelujah. So the same way that Adam, because of Adam, um, you know, death entered, because of Jesus, now every person has the opportunity to be made alive again, to be born again. That's, that's what he told Nicodemus. So a fallen man, the the, the bottom of your sheet there a fallen man reproduced a fallen race a fallen race a fallen man reproduced a fallen race because of adam's fall spiritual death came on all mankind because of adam's fall spiritual death came on all mankind spiritual death now now see now here this is this is a, a big point right here this last point Spiritual death caused the sin nature in man. Spiritual death caused the sin nature in man, producing the works of the flesh. The sin nature in man producing the works of the flesh. The one the one thing that you'll hear people say all the time, and you know, and, and this is to me, this comes from a, a lack of understanding about uh, salvation. People still talk about, well, it's just in my nature to sin. I'm just an old, I'm just an old sinner. Well, you're going to learn, and I'm going to show you from the scripture next week that when you get born again, your old nature dies, and you you uh, you get a new nature on the inside of you. So your sin nature, your old man, no longer lives. You have a new man living on the inside of you now. And see, people say all the time, "Well, well, I'm just gonna, ha- I have to sin because, you know, uh, because that's just my nature." Well, no, it's not. If you're born again, that's not your nature. You're, you have a new nature on the inside of you. And and so, so the devil has, uh, even like, you know, what Miss Betty was talking about, like this this young lady was was afraid to come to church because people would reject her and and you know, people not accept her. That that is a lie of the enemy. And the enemy has lied to to the church and lied to the, to millions and millions of Christians and told them that you still have the sin nature, so therefore you just have to sin. Well, I've got good news for you. You don't have to. <laughs> You've got a new nature on the inside of you. Amen? Now, look at the back page. and We won't take the time to look at all these, uh, the the back side of that page. We won't take the time to look at all this, but listen to what sin... Sin that entered into the world, look at what sin does to man. Um, the effects of sin. it dulls man's hearing, it darkens his eyes, it diverts his feet or takes it takes it down a different path. It defiles his tongue, it deceives his heart, it devours his intellect, and sin will damn your soul. if you let, if, if you don't deal with sin and you don't you don't change what you' you know how you deal with sin, that's what will happen. And it says, what does God say about the condition of every lost person? By nature, by, just by nature, talking about the nature. Because remember now, when, when we are born into this world, we have Adam's nature. We're born with Adam's nature. When you get born again, you no longer have Adam's nature. Now you, became, you become a new creature in Christ. You go from Adam's nature to Jesus' nature. You know, you go from the first Adam to the last Adam, and you you can't have two natures. You either have the the old man or the new man. Now you can you can have the if you get born again, you've got the new man, and you can still let the old man reign, but you don't have to. And we'll we'll see that. And and that's you know, so many times we just say things like that, and we never we haven't taught you, uh, we haven't taught how to how to see that and to see that from scripture. So what you know, that's the reason I'm doing this and taking, giving you these notes, and so you can find it yourself. So these first five here, where it says by nature, that's talking about the sin nature, Adam's nature. This is how you you were born into the world. Until you gave your life to Christ, this is how God sees you, or this is how how the world. This is who you are. I should say it this way, not necessarily the way God sees you. This is just the way you are. Your old man. It says by nature, all men are spiritually dead. Colossians two thirteen. By nature, all men are children of the devil. You're children of disobedience. You're cursed with Adam's sin nature, and you're the and you are. The Bible says you are the children of wrath. Every unsaved person, number six. Every unsaved person is in the family of Satan. Now, boy, we don't like to look at it like that, but it's true. You're in one or two families. You're in God's family, you're in Satan's family. And if you're not born again, you're, you're in the family of Satan. Every unsaved person is living in the kingdom of darkness under Satan's lordship and influence. Every unsaved person has the nature of the devil. Every unsaved person has demon activity working in his life because the, because the enemy is blinding you. The enemy is darkening your, your, your vision. He, you know, there's, there's, he's doing things in your life to keep you from seeing the light. So we, we could say that every unsaved person has some type of demon activity working in their life. The unbeliever, number 10, has his mind blinded and his understanding clouded. understanding clouded with darkness. The unbeliever is alienated or cut off from the life of God. The unbeliever is guilty before God, and he's living under God's wrath. Even though, even though the wrath of the wrath of God's poured out on, on Jesus, and you and I don't have to live under wrath, if you're not born again at the end of your life, you will be under God's wrath. You know, but we don't have to be, praise God. You know, because he poured his wrath out on Jesus. We don't have to live under God's wrath anymore. But if you're, un- if you're unsaved, an unbeliever, they, they live under God's wrath. The unbeliever is far from God and without hope. The unbeliever is an enemy of God. The unbeliever walks according to the lust of the flesh and the carnal mind. The unbeliever is a prisoner to the law of sin and death. So that, that, is, that is who you were before you came to know Jesus. What's the remedy? Well, we ain't got time to look at it tonight, but the remedy is Jesus, I can tell you that. You know and next week we'll look at what the answer to that is you see because because here here's the truth of it you know all of this you know man this is bad this is this is not good news you know what I mean man this is some rough stuff you know to look at this and say man that's but but guess what every one of us all of us sitting here everybody listening to this on on the internet or on CD this described every one of us at one time now if you gave your life to Jesus, this no longer applies to you. Because you have a new nature now. All of this changed when you got born again. That's the reason Jesus... Now, now, you know, fast forward back to when Jesus stood before Nicodemus that day. And, and he, Nicodemus came and said, said, Master, you're a good teacher. We know you come from God because nobody could do all these works but you. That's the reason Jesus looked at him and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to be born again. That was the first time that that was mentioned in the Word. That was the first time that Jesus told anybody that we have record of, that He told anybody, you have to be born again. You know, that was the introduction to the answer to all the problems. And when Jesus said that, from that point forward, He started describing describing and, and introducing life as a believer. And, and introducing to, you know, to uh, everybody. That, and and I'll, I'll put it this way. That's when he started preaching the gospel, which is the good news that Jesus sent His Son to die for them so that they wouldn't have to, to end up like this, but that they could accept Jesus and and believe in Him. And when they did that, then all of this changes the moment they believed in Him. Amen? So, so I know this, I, I know, you know, like I said, this is a little teaching but... But but I believe it'll be, you, you know, if you keep coming and listen and, and get all these notes, you're gonna man, you're gonna be shouting and rejoicing just in a week or two because because it's good news what Jesus did for us. Amen. All right, let me ask this. Any questions, real quick? Did I confuse you? Did I say anything that that you know you're you're asking what or huh or anything like that? Anybody? Because because I want I, I, w- I want to help you. I want us to make sure we understand this. You know, I mean, and if you got a question, there's no dumb questions. I mean. We we can discuss it and, and look at it and and talk about it. So, anybody have a question or anything? All right. Well, <coughs> Paul. I um, mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. Separation. Death and separation. Yep. Yeah. Just well, just do that. Physi- physical death, separation from the body. Spiritual death, separation from God and then eternal death eternal I mean forever separated from God you know I mean yeah so that's I mean yeah that's a good I mean that's a good way to look at it I mean that helps you understand it, doesn't it yeah, that's good Good all right anybody else? well praise the Lord will y'all think this is going to be good? Y'all like this? I mean, you know, can you you get some some wisdom from from some of these things? I I can, man. I I mean, I I enjoyed it just studying, you know, studying about this. So next week's going to be really good because we're going to talk about the difference between religion and and belief and faith and, and how, you know, being born again, man, and really grace is going to come into the picture about, you know, how man, you know, the first thing Adam and Eve did was get into works. They covered themselves with fig leaves. You know, I mean. So the first thing they did was try to try to do it themselves, try to get back to God, try to cover themselves. But that that's nothing but religion. And God said, nope, that's not going to work. You know, and He offered the sacrifice and covered them with with uh, with you know animal skin. And uh, you know, so that so that's that's where we'll start next week. Amen. All right. Well, let me pray for you, and then we'll we'll finish up tonight and go. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and thank you for the Word tonight, Lord. Thank you for helping us to walk. Um, and to, to uh, Father to grow and not, not just not just the, the milk of the word, but Father grow and, and take the meat of the word, Lord, we want to understand this. We want to understand what salvation is and righteousness and, and grace and mercy and all these things. So we thank you for that. I pray blessings on each one. pray blessings on, on as we go our ways this week. Father, the, uh, the costume event uh, contest this weekend, Lord, and the party we're having, we just pray blessings on that. And uh, just a great weekend. And we thank you, Father, for just ministering to each one of us, helping us minister to other folks, putting people in our path to minister to and to share the gospel with. So uh, we love you, Lord, and we just pray your blessings on each one tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember. Uh...